This is Around the A, a weekly look at the top stories, news, and interviews from the NHL's top developmental league with your hosts, David Foote and Patrick Williams on the Sports Podcasting Network. The start of the uh, American Hockey League season is upon us, and what better time to launch uh, a new podcast uh, delving into all the uh, news and notes and stories around the uh, second-best professional hockey league in the world, at least the uh, number one development league anyway, uh, as we welcome you to the first-ever edition of uh, Around the AHL uh, with myself, David Foote, and Patrick Williams as well. Patrick, this is going to be a lot of fun, man. Uh, we, we kind of got this ball rolling a month or two ago, and uh, I'm excited to get going. Yeah, absolutely, and I would uh, I would say it is the second best league in the world. You know, uh, you know, I'm sure I would get some uh, pushback from the, the folks over in Europe, but uh, you know, <laughs> this is a league where on any given night, uh, uh, you guys are in the AHL one night and up, you know, on your television in the NHL the next night, and you know, the the AHL just put up the stats today that uh, 622 players on uh, NHL rosters tonight uh, as the season opens, uh, you know, of AHL. Uh, alumni ties, so uh, I think that speaks for itself. Pretty much every year, you're looking at 90% of the the uh, the NHL comes through the American League at one point. So uh, uh, the talent level is high. Uh, it's kind of a great mix of uh, you know high end major junior and and the pro game, and you you kind of get a, a little bit of the best of both worlds. You get the polish of the pro game, but with a little bit of that youthful uh, energy uh, as guys are battling to make it up to the NHL. Yeah, maybe the second best league overall, but it's the number one development league. You would have to say um, yeah. for sure. I mean, those numbers that uh, that you point out uh, speak for themselves. I think uh, for those who who uh, you know may not be familiar with either Patrick or myself, uh, I'm based out of Belleville. I cover the Belleville Senators for 800 CJBQ, and uh, in all honesty, as far as the American Hockey League goes, I'm kind of a a, a rookie still. Uh, I'm getting into my third season covering the league, so I've got a pretty good grasp of how things work. Uh, but Patrick is going to be our, uh, you know, our resident expert. I mean, you've been around this league uh, for years now, and uh, you've won awards for your coverage of the American Hockey League, and and you've got kind of your finger on the pulse of the AHL. Yeah, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I kind of started, uh, you know, I, you know, a little bit like a player. You, you you work your way up. I did some junior. I did some ECHL, and that uh, that was the the door into the to the American League. And that was uh, that was back when it was still uh, it was veteran in a lot of ways, both in terms of the players and the media. Uh, so it was hard to break in, but uh, I did that, and then I uh, was lucky to get my break and do five seasons uh, with the Winnipeg Jets for NHL.com, and that was a blast because uh, that was uh, right when the team came back to Winnipeg, and it was just uh, it was pretty pretty crazy every night there with uh, with the excitement of the NHL returning and, and seeing all the big teams, seeing the, the Leafs come to town, the the, the Habs, uh, every all these teams you see on television are now in your building in Winnipeg, so that was cool, and then. Uh, Got an opportunity to break uh, off into the American League and get the opportunity to cover an entire league, which is uh, which is a whole different uh, kind of uh, can of worms in terms of uh, you know from covering a, a individual team. So there's a lot more to uh, kind of dig into, and uh, there's always something uh, you know happening when there are 31 teams. It's not hard to find stories, and then really the, the biggest challenge for me is you know, trying to pare it down and get it down to something manageable but uh and then every year i get to go to the final now which uh didn't happen in winnipeg unfortunately but uh <laughs> get to do it down here and it's just a blast and, and it's a lot of fun 
Well, uh, that's kind of going to be the goal, I think, of this podcast is to to find those interesting stories from around the AHL and bring them to fans and get a little bit of uh, exposure for this league because, um, you know, to, to people, I think, who see it and who cover it, it's almost incomparable. You, you mentioned it as a mix of, uh, you know, high-end junior uh, and, and NHL caliber talent, and you can't really find that anywhere but in the AHL. Uh, you've got stories of guys who are trying to make the jump. You've got stories of guys who have had successful NHL careers and are now playing a bit of a different role within an organization that perhaps they've been with for a, a long time. So uh, we're excited to be able to bring some of those stories to you guys. And we should say a uh, thank you to Kev Laramie uh, at uh, the Sports Podcasting Network based out of Montreal, who's going to be hosting this for us uh, over the the course of this run and uh, that's making our lives a whole lot easier to, to have help uh, and support there uh, let's see up the show uh, today Patrick uh, we're going to talk to the defending Calder Cup champion head coach uh, who is no longer with the team he won that championship with uh, Mike Vellucci is going to be on with us in a little bit yeah uh, Mike Vellucci uh, you know did a great job last year with Charlotte uh, won the uh, coach of the year award in the American League uh Definitely, I think, attracts some NHL interest. And I think for him, it's a matter of time uh, before he is running his own NHL bench. But uh, for right now, he made the switch over to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, They missed the playoffs last year for the first time uh, in 16 seasons. Uh, So they were... They were definitely in the in the mood for a change, uh, and, and they got it in a big way. Uh, he uh, he had a pretty busy summer. I, I spoke with him uh, this past weekend, and uh, you know, three weeks after he had uh, won the Calder Cup, he's uh, on the move to Wilkesbury, and you know, for him, that's a foot in the door with the Pittsburgh Penguins system. Uh, that's a big uh, deal to him, and it's also an opportunity to work with Jim Rutherford, uh, the general manager in Pittsburgh, uh, who uh, they go way back with, uh, uh, all the way back to their uh, days. Uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes, and, and and as we, I think anybody that knows the OHL knows that uh, Carolina had ties to the Plymouth Whalers, uh, and that's where Volucci really got his uh, big break. And uh, so he's a fun guy to talk to. He's a real honest, uh, straight shooter, uh, and I think he's going to do some really good work for that Wilkesbury team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those who might be tuning in from uh, my neck of the woods, uh, Volucci, a familiar name to hockey fans in Belleville as well. So uh, we'll chat with him coming up. Uh, Also on this inaugural episode of Around the A, uh, Jerry Cantlin is going to be with us as well. And uh, this is a guy, Patrick, that's going to share a ton of stories with us, uh, or at least uh, a few good ones, we hope, about uh, his many years covering this league. Yeah, he goes way, way back. He goes back to the 1980s, which was... uh... I think a much different world uh, in many ways, uh, and uh, he's great for uh, really kind of bridging that gap between the old days and, and the current uh, American League, which is uh, a big business. It's uh, a lot of big markets now. Uh, back when he started, it was pretty small. You know, a lot of uh, small markets in, in Atlanta, Canada, uh, you know, northeastern United States, and uh, now it's a coast coast lake, but. Uh, He's seen that evolution uh, from up close, and, uh, you know, he, he's a guy with a great sense of humor, and uh, he really knows uh, kind of uh, where all the all the, the bodies are, are you know, in the closet. Uh, you know, if there's something about the American League, I usually go to him, uh, you know, and I'm running by him first uh, because odds are he's heard of it uh, probably before anybody. So all that uh, to come on this episode. But first, uh, with it being the first episode of the season, uh, there's a lot of storylines from last season that we have to touch on here in our opening segment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you look at uh, last year, Charlotte, uh, their run right through the uh, regular season. Uh, they were champs, 110 points, 51 victories, and then they just uh, kind of cruised right through the playoffs. Uh, got a little bit of a scare from the Toronto Marlies, who are kind of a fixture in the, in the uh, conference final uh, in this league, and uh, they got past them. Uh, their biggest scare was from the Marlies, and then they uh, knocked out the Chicago Wolves in five games. Uh, so uh, that was a team that's, uh, you know, really great blend of uh, young, high-end, first-round type talents uh, with uh, good vets. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest challenge for them is uh, a lot of those guys moved on this summer. Uh, so they have to try to replicate that, uh, you know, uh, going into this year. Yeah, well, being based out of the, the North Division and the Eastern Conference of the AHL, uh, I got to see a pile of the Marlies, uh, 12 meetings mm-hmm. they had with the Senators. Uh, yeah. We had we – had, um, uh, Charlotte come in a couple times, and I, the the couple times that I saw that Charlotte team, uh, there was almost no doubt in my mind, even um, at the point of the season that we saw them, that they were going to be a Calder Cup contender. That that team was stacked from top to bottom. Stacked, and uh, I think with Bellucci, uh, I think what his uh, his biggest success there was harnessing all that talent and getting them to play uh, play a system and play a two way game. Uh, I think. Um, in past years, you know, they had talent that could score, but, uh, you know, defensive side of the game wasn't so great. Uh, well, last year it was. Uh, a big part of that was him. He really really leaned on them pretty hard uh, to, to get that uh, side of the game down because, I mean, for, for players in this league, that's going to be their ticket to the NHL uh, for the most part. And uh, he was able to do that. And um, they were a team I just – they always seemed to find another gear, uh, you know, right up to the Calder Cup final where – Chicago uh, came in and pushed them pretty hard uh, early in the series, and every time they did, Charlotte pushed back harder. If Chicago could match that, Charlotte just always had another level they could take their game to, and uh, that was uh, that was the difference between them and even a, an excellent team like those Chicago Wolves. Yeah, and uh, maybe later on in the show when we tee up this season a little bit, uh, we'll talk about some of those big names that have moved on from Charlotte that are, are uh-huh. going to make it a little bit uh, you know, more difficult for them to repeat as Calder Cup champions. But, uh, I mean, the the champion is always a big story uh, in any league. Uh, another big story in most leagues is expansion, and we saw uh, the Colorado Eagles make the jump from the ECHL to the AHL, and they did it pretty seamlessly as well. Yeah, they did. They already had the uh, front office infrastructure in place. They had the name, and I think for, for – uh, uh, the biggest factor for them was they had that Colorado Avalanche affiliation, uh, mm. which it's something we've seen in the AHL over the past five years or so. Uh, it's just such an emphasis on, on getting your NHL affiliate or your AHL affiliate nearby and, and uh, having that tie, and uh, you know, both from a hockey standpoint but also a marketing standpoint. A lot easier to market the Colorado Avalanche prospects, you know, an hour north of Denver than it is, uh, you know, another random NHL team which is what, kind of what it used to be back in the day when the, uh, the New England teams had affiliations with the uh, ELA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks of the world. So uh, it's a pretty uh, logical uh, setup. And, uh, yeah, they were a real big success story. Uh, they came right in and uh, they made the playoffs. They had a competitive team, and uh, attendance-wise, they were strong. So uh, another good solid addition to the American League. Yeah, I was just looking at the attendance numbers. Uh, they averaged over 5,000 fans a game. They totaled over 174,000, uh, and we're in the the middle of the pack attendance-wise, but uh, that's exactly what you want to see from an expansion team is the fan base, uh, you know, jump on board and, and you know, 
keep supporting them in that move up from the ECHL, and and that I'm sure uh, went a long way towards their success. Oh, absolutely, and I, you know, I think uh, I think that's a, a challenge for some markets in the league now, where uh, you know now that it's a coast to coast league, uh, you know, and I've spoken with AHL president Dave Andrews, uh, you know, in the past, and there's anywhere from eight to ten markets out there that have uh, expressed interest in an American League team. Uh, and, and the biggest challenge for Dave Andrews has been there's no teams available right now. So um, I, I think that, that that raises the bar for every market that does have a team right now, that they have to keep uh, drawing fans, they have to keep um, a really solid uh, business uh, footprint and uh, make it all work off the ice uh, because uh, there are any number of uh, – Probably pretty competitive markets out there that uh, would love to have a team. Uh, this is second, uh, like we said, second highest level of hockey uh, that there is, and uh, you know, this is uh, there's 31, soon to be 32 teams, and uh, and there's more markets right now than there are available teams. I think uh, the fans in Belleville might need to take note of that, uh, and and you know, one of the things that I've talked about with the franchise in this city uh, is that you know, fans here. Uh, haven't quite adjusted to the AHL game from, you know, having the Ontario Hockey League here for for 30 years. But uh, there is demand for these franchises, and and unfortunately, if they aren't supported, it's not difficult to find a place for them to go. No, it's not. I mean, uh, these teams. Uh, well, there is. I believe it's up to 21 now are owned by the NHL clubs, so uh, they're fairly portable in that way. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of markets out there. You know, you look at some of these ECHL markets that are, they're drawing numbers comparable to the American League uh, in some of these markets. So um, they're able to, as we saw with Colorado, uh, you know, is, is provided that they're willing to do so. They're able to make that transition pretty seamlessly. They already have a, they already have a foot in the market. They already know the market. They already have a front office. All the things uh, off the ice that are so key uh, to the success or the lack of success for a franchise um, these markets have. So, um, I, yeah, I would warn, I don't want to say warn, but I would uh, just sort of advise any market out there that uh, you really do have to support uh, a club because uh, there's always some sharks in the water that are kind of circling, and uh, you know they would love to uh, – pull down a, uh, a, a team uh, for their arena that maybe is empty right now or doesn't quite have a full-time tenant. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of these markets are pretty attractive, some of them that don't uh, quite have American League team uh, uh, affiliations yet. So, yeah, if you're not uh, kind of, uh, you know, pulling your weight, uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for some of these markets. Uh, you're listening to uh, the first ever uh, episode of Around the A with myself, David Foote, and Patrick Williams. Uh, glad that you've tuned in, and we hope you'll continue to stick with us. Uh, Patrick mentioned uh, the AHL president and CEO, Dave Andrews. Uh, we're hoping to line him up in the next few weeks. Uh, our plan is to get uh, uh, as many uh, of the big names or the names attached to the big stories that we can every week uh, here uh, on uh, Around the A and on the Sports Podcasting Network. Um, speaking of uh, the A. NHL president, uh, he's getting set to wind up a, a tenure here, uh, leading this league, and he's you know been a part of a few major uh, innovations and and strides and developments for the American Hockey League. Yes, he has. He's uh, he's had a pretty fascinating career. He was a former goalie, uh, played university, uh, um, you know, and then he uh, went over to Europe for a couple years, and then he went into the coaching world back in the uh in the old western league and uh he did that and then he actually worked uh 
on some Olympic work uh, with for Canada. So, and then he finally made his way into the American League back in 1987 uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, their affiliation uh, out in Halifax, and uh, you know, kind of an interesting time to come into the Oilers. Uh, you know, at the you know peak of their heyday in the 1980s, uh, and then he worked his way up the, from there. Uh, went to Cape Breton uh, and. Eventually uh, found himself in the AHL front office uh, leading the show. And uh, I, I think when you look at where this league was, he took over in 1994. Uh, it, was a, it was a small league. It was 16 teams, lots of markets, uh, you know, on the smaller side struggling. I think that was the biggest thing. And uh, over the years, he, uh, he first and foremost solidified them off the ice. And, uh, and I think the next step was... Uh, yeah, the the old International Hockey League back then that was battling the AHL for affiliations, and uh, eventually he won that battle with them uh, and became the sole uh, top development league for the for the NHL, and that was a huge step. Merged with the old IHL teams in 2001, and uh, then slowly but surely kind of built it up. It's been a been a long, long path uh, for him and the league, and then I think it kind of. Uh, culminated there in 2015 when they finally made their way out to the west coast and uh, all those california teams came in and uh here we are now uh, soon to be 32 teams in a, in a couple years and uh that 32nd team if we segue uh, away from dave andrews for uh, a minute or two uh can we just get jobs now like can, who, who do we talk to about getting uh getting gigs in palm springs because uh, what an uh incredible opportunity that's going to be and um, I mean, you tweeted it the other day uh, from your account to, at P. Williams NHL. Uh, they've got a pretty good plan in place for a, a complex there that's going to house the team and uh, bring American Hockey League action uh, out to uh, another part of California. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is pretty big. I mean, this is a $250 million project uh, that, they're, that they have. Uh, it's an arena, it's the franchise fee, and it's a practice facility, uh, all brand new. Uh, kind of state of the art, and uh, it's it's run by uh, Tim Lightwicky and Todd Lightwicky. Which uh, you know, if you follow sports business at all, those are two major, major heavy hitters. Uh, Todd Lightwicky uh, uh, just uh, came over uh, from being the chief operating officer for the NFL. Uh, so that's a kind of uh, lofty status that we're talking about with this. Uh, uh, and, and now those two, they, they're part of the Seattle management group uh, and they're overseeing the, the move into Palm Springs. And yes, you're right. How do we get jobs there? Because uh, uh, what, what a place. I mean, you, you know, you look at, uh, that has to be a pretty desirable division to be in. You have Palm Springs, you have San Diego, you have Ontario, which is right outside of Los Angeles. Uh, then you have Northern California you shoot down to Arizona, or you can shoot out to Colorado. So uh, not a bad gig if you're an American Hockey League player. Uh, you know, if you want to uh, do your do your work in a uh, Palm Springs uh, type environment, where uh, you know it's it's quite nice in the winter, and there's golf, and there's all the amenities that come with uh, being in a big resort town like it is. Yeah, for uh, for broadcasters like myself, you know, you leave the suit hanging up in the broadcast booth, you show up in your shorts and t-shirt and you're good to go. Um that's uh and I mean you talked about the uh, the landscape of that division. Uh, it, it just seems to make a whole pile of sense uh transportation-wise. Um again, given the number of teams that are already in California and of course, um a little further from Seattle than say Belleville is from Ottawa, but Proximity between the AHL team and the NHL team pays massive dividends. 
Oh, I mean, yeah, there's several reasons, uh, not the least of which is the salary cap. Every uh, every uh, little bit you can save on that, uh, you know, and a big part of that is the logistics of getting players uh, back and forth. Uh, the NHL keeps very close tabs on that. Uh, so if you can even say save a day of uh, NHL money uh, off the cap, that's a big help. And then there's the the hockey side of it, which uh, you want your uh, players nearby. Uh, it's easy to get your management back and forth. Uh, you can uh, recall players easily. Uh, you, there's direct flights to and from uh, Palm Springs and Seattle, so uh, they're able to get up there in about two hours. Uh, so it's an easy move. And then anytime Seattle's on the road out west, uh, you know you can get uh, you know if the new Seattle team is playing in San Jose, you can get a, you get a player up there easily. So uh, you know it, it's just an easy setup, uh, and, and it's funny because I, I spoke to Roy Sommer, uh, the San Jose Barracuda coach. Longest tenured uh, coach in the league, uh, going to be his 22nd season. So he goes way, way back. Uh, he's coached San Jose's prospects in four different markets, uh, and they were in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts before the, they went to San Jose. And uh, he was just telling me some stories. Logan Couture, uh, Jamie McGinn, uh, the, the effort that it took to move players back and forth. Uh, uh, calling a player uh, at three o'clock in the morning to get him on a flight uh, to get out to San Jose so he can make the morning skate. Uh, so you're, you're putting on a player, a player on a plane all day. Uh, he's he's flying five six hours. Uh, he rides. He's jet lagged. He's really in no condition to play a hockey game that night in, yeah. in the National <laughs> Hockey League. Uh, and uh, now they're in San Jose and they practice in the same facility as as the Sharks do. And it's uh, you know if you call a player up, he walks down the hall the NHL dressing room and uh, he's good to go. So it's just a whole different uh, setup now than it used to be. And I think the players also feel, uh, you know, you feel a little bit more uh, under the microscope, uh, both good and bad. I, I think players used to be a little bit forgotten. You know, if you're playing, you know, three time zones away uh, in the NHL management, maybe comes out once or twice a year. You're not necessarily uh, getting uh, too many looks, uh, but now uh, they're watching you every single night. Um, and uh, you, you can really, uh, you know, make an impression on them, either good or bad. And uh, it's a little bit different. I think it, it gives players a good approximation, though, of uh, what it's like in the, in the National Hockey League, where you're going to have that night, night in and night out scrutiny. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this first episode of Around the A, a pretty free-flowing, uh, wide-ranging, and that uh, story in Palm Springs will develop throughout the course of this AHL season. Uh, we're about 25 minutes into this first episode already. So there's so many uh, stories that we could get into uh, with it being the start of the season, Pat, but let's uh, let's get into our, our chat with Mike Vellucci, and, and then we'll have our chat with uh, Jerry Cantlin as well, and then we'll get back to uh, talk a little bit more about uh, the season to come. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to talk to the two of them. Uh, both uh, really good talkers. Uh, they always have some good stories and uh, really interesting outlooks. Uh, you know, Mike Vellucci's seen this game, uh, you know, from the junior level uh, all the way up here to the AHL uh, management and coach. So uh, he's a great guy to talk to. So here are our first two guests, uh, Mike Vellucci, the now head coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, and Jerry Cantlin on uh, Around the A. Kind of jumping right into it here. You got four teams in five nights, kind of old school AHL. Uh, yeah. What's it like here to kind of get into the swing of things? Well, I went to plan four games in five nights, yeah. but I understand uh, that why we do it. But uh, it's been great to get jump right in and, and get going. You know, I've been dying to get going ever since I made the decision to come uh-huh. here. So uh, it's exciting that, you know, we have a good group of young guys yeah. and uh, it's fun to work with them. 
I'll circle back. Uh, it's not even been four months. A uh, lot can change. Uh, can you just kind of take us through what that whole experience was like winning the cup on the eighth? You know, three weeks later, you're in a new job. Yeah, yeah. It's, didn't expect that, mm -hmm. but uh, a huge opportunity. And like I've been saying it for the last four months, work with Jim Rutherford uh -huh. in uh, in Pittsburgh and uh, Billy Garen and those guys was was definitely enticing. So didn't expect it to happen and came out of nowhere. And uh, happy I made the decision. Do you find that when you win a cup, uh, maybe maybe not so much how you feel about your, your role as a coach, but are you viewed differently maybe around the league? for what you've accomplished? Uh, that's up to you guys and everybody else. I have no idea. Nobody's going to pat mm -hmm. me in the back, right? I mean, everybody's trying to beat everybody. It's something I wanted to do. I've been able, fortunate enough to win a championship in every league yeah. I've been in. So, um, you know, want to continue to do those kind of things. And it was pretty magical. Mm -hmm. The guys were great. I loved every one of the players. Uh, the coaches. It was one of those years we were first from start to finish, and it doesn't happen very often. And uh, it was a lot of fun to go to the office, and that's what made it so special. Do you find that you want to try to take what you had in Charlotte and bring it here, or kind of merge what you have, or because they already have their own culture here? Yeah, they've, they've had a culture here, but Wilkes has never won, so yeah. we want to we want to change that. So. Um, but, you know, from what Pittsburgh's done, Sully's got obviously has a great culture up there, and we'll try to continue that. But I'll bring some things that I that I do and the, the culture that I want to establish, the structure. I think that's something that we really need here is structure and discipline and a uh, uh, way to play the game and, and every night. What, what, what did you learn going through last season experience, uh, just going through four rounds of playoffs and, and the whole almost nine-month ordeal? I don't know if it's I learned it, but I think it was a critical point that I've been through it before was that you're never out of it. You know, we lost uh, in the semis game one uh, at home, and we want to go 2-3-2, two, two, and then we're down 3 nothing after the first. Come back, and I remember telling the guys after the second period, we were down 3-1. Think how good this is feeling when you win this game, and they kind of looked at me goofy, but you just have to stay positive in those environments. I knew we had a good team. I knew they wanted to win. That's the biggest battle with the pros is, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, and they wanted to win, so we just got to be positive, and then we lost game one in, game, mm -hmm. in the finals, yeah, and then uh, we're down again in uh, game two, and then won four straight. So it's uh, what I learned was... You knew it always happened. You got to stay positive, and uh, um, anything can happen. In some ways, uh, you're very familiar territory. You're in Hershey. You're behind the bench. In other ways, it's very different. What feels different being in, in Wilkes-Barre, you know, on the ice, off the ice, uh, for your job? The biggest thing is seeing the colors, and it's not uh, the Carolina colors. I have 27 uh, years I was with the same yeah. organization, maybe not uh, with the NHL team, but following them and yeah. like they were my own and same owners. So. That was weird, you know, mm -hmm. in the rookie game, I remember they said Pittsburgh's up 2 nothing. I'm thinking, you know, what? Yeah. And so that's that's the difference, the colors and that. But, uh, um, you know, coming to this arena is a lot of fun. I mean, it's a great building. Fans mm -hmm. are passionate. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be coming here a lot. I, yeah. I look at the schedule. It's one thing I didn't know, that many times we play Lehigh and Hershey. It's almost a quarter of the yep. season, so it's crazy. Um, you see so many of your guys move on to other roles. Uh, what's that? What's that feeling like as a as a coach? You moved on, but so many of your players from last year. Well, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I mean, that's part of what I was preaching was is you know the individual goes as far as the team goes, and we were playing in June. There were only two teams left playing in June that scouts are out watching. So just 
adds to their value. And the Potterowski, you know, the MVP of the playoffs, and then signs a big contract somewhere else. And Browns, all those guys, mm-hmm. very proud of them, happy for them. Um, but that's that's why I coach is because yeah. I want to help those guys get to, to their dreams and their next level. And uh, it's a very fulfilling mm-hmm. job to be able to do it. You know, Zach Shortini, uh, kind of, <laughs> yeah. you guys is I, I've been telling Zach for two years, I thought he's going to be a heck of a coach. And to be honest with you, last year he was pretty much a coach with yeah. us. We brought him into the coach's office at certain times and uh, showed him what we do and how we prepare. But he kept the guys in check when he, even when he was in the lineup. Yeah. He was a huge part of it. And uh, um, guys like that can't go unforgotten because he, it was huge. And, he, you know, what a bang he goes out with. Wins, yeah. a, wins a Calder Cup and now he's coaching in Sudbury. What could make him a good coach eventually? Uh, what, what did you see? He him? listens. He listens and he communicates and uh, he wants to get better. I, I just think he's a, a great leader and he... He's been around the game. He knows what it takes on and off the ice. He was very influential with our younger guys about things off the ice. Hey, listen, probably not a smart move. You do yeah. this or that, and just uh, but in a not in a negative way, just a very fatherly figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Works very wise, Pittsburgh wise. What do you see here that this group needs? What can you bring to this group? To the uh, American to League? Yeah, yeah. Well, just structure, mm-hmm. stability. Uh, you know, those are big th- words, but they're, they're very important words in my, in my opinion because, you know, we, we want to be prepared every game and have structure, and then the work ethic will come yeah. and the wins will come with that. Um, if everybody's on the same page and, and within that structure, it's, it's, a, it's a bonus for everybody. Do you find that when you, you do have that structure and that, that organized sense that uh, you're able to get the, the work ethic in there because guys are able to just kind of focus and now they're not kind of scrambling around. They're not scrambling around yeah. and nobody's knowing what they're doing. You know, yeah. there's structure there, there's hard work, but I, I'm, there's not so much structure that we don't need that offensive creativity. Yeah. That's very important to have the creativity in the offensive zone, and I give them that, yeah. but I give them structure in all the other areas. And, but offensively, I, you know, we're going to leave it to the skill guys to make the plays and, and whatever they need to down low, but they have to make sure that they're tracking and, and, and working hard. You have quite a bit of coaching experience on your staff here, uh, Jared Scully, uh, just right down the list. Uh, what can those guys bring uh, to you? Uh, you had Ryan last year yeah. in Charlotte. Oh, another coach. Yeah. We, we only had one coach yeah. uh, there, so it was just two of us, but uh, we got an extra eyes and hands on deck here. So, you know, just, uh, you know, I can learn a lot from them as far as what they've done in the mm-hmm. past and what's worked. And, it's always evolving in coaching, no matter what age level yeah. you're at. And, you know, in Warsey, I'm real ha- happy and proud that he got that job. He deserved it. He's, uh, you know, a co-coach with me last year. We worked really well together and hit it off, and I'm uh, really happy for him. And it looks very kind of some big science here. Agazino, Warsawski's brother. Uh, what's what, what can those guys bring in? And- what did that mean to see that kind of talent brought in? Well, that was a big part of it. When yeah. you see that commitment that they're yeah. making, and the, but it's the uh, the maturity and the, the leadership of the you know the guys, older guys come yeah. in, give some stability yeah. within the, within that part of it too. Because we have a lot of young guys, and you know I get I get a kick out. Of they say that uh, Pittsburgh doesn't have any young talent or depth, but you know we picked up uh, P.O. Joseph yeah. and. Uh, the Addison kid, we got Bjorkris, a second round pick, and some of these free agents are good yeah. young players that uh, you know it's going to be fun to work with. Last thing, uh, yep. what, what, what's the summer like after you win the Calder Cup? Uh, can you take us through? Well, it was weird it's because I, I went right to the draft yeah. and worked it with Carolina's assistant GM role, mm-hmm. and then when that came, we were working on free agency and. 
So uh, I made the decision to, to leave on the second or third or whatever. I can't remember the date in July. So it was finally a little bit of relief. Didn't wasn't thinking I was going to have a party, but my yeah. wife convinced me to have a party <laughs> and uh, had a lot of fun. And then was able to put it behind us. You know, it's a new season new organization but it was a lot of fun to, to celebrate with family and friends and, and other than some of the players came so it was kind of cool great thanks coach right, appreciate thank it you. Yeah, take care jerry i want to talk a little bit about the uh, the the league itself um we talked earlier on in the show about you know how much it's changed and how there seems to be uh very uh, unique and visible eras in the american hockey league uh how have you seen the league change over the years and what era would you say we're in now well, you know, I'm really an old goat, i got to say, about all of this. <laughs> uh, you know, I started covering the American Hockey League in the late 1980s uh, when the New Haven Night Hawks, they existed. They had a building. Neither exist anymore, building or team. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I've had to see, really had the pleasure and privilege of watching the AHL really uh, morph and change into a tremendously different entity than it once was. I mean, uh, you know, Pat and I have talked off the record, you know, uh, you know, off air, I should say, about this. Some of the scheduling, for example, mm. way back in the late 80s, teams would play, no joke, seven or eight games in 12 days. It was insane. It was crazy. Today, now, you know, you play your weekends. They try to, you know, we have a league now where we have a majority of the league play 76 games. The Pacific Division only plays 68. There are no three and threes out west. We have three and threes here. Um, there's different now models that uh, formula out west they think they should have one game for every three days of practice. So it's really changed the whole dynamic of how they believe development of players is uh, and teams and obviously the broad scope. I mean, there was once a Canadian Maritime Division. It no longer exists, sadly. Uh, a lot of the Northeast teams uh, have not uh, have gone, gone by the wayside. Manchester, Lowell, Portland, perfect example, Albany. Uh, it's been a Adirondack. It's been a real big sea change in that regard it's, it's about business guys money shifts and money is shifting west and that's where the ahls were much more of a centrally and uh, western u.s uh, focused uh, franchises jerry how, how have you seen players change uh you know because it's always kind of the argument uh have they changed or have we all just got older and we think they've changed uh, how are they different from when you started uh the, the league is so much younger it's not even funny I mean, I remember guys who could play, you know, uh, the, the great Jody Gage. A uh, guy played who was like 37, 38 years old. That's not going to happen in this in this era anymore. Um, you've got guys, if they make it to 30, 32, uh, you're lucky. There's a lot of guys that are basically shipped off, hey, go to Europe, make some money, have some fun. It's really been tremendous how much the American League is very focused on skill development. Obviously, you have to have X amount of players with a certain amount of, you know, uh, you know, under you know, 320 uh, professional games of experience on, in your lineups. It's really been a sea change in that regard. And I love prospects. I love minor league baseball, and I love watching, you know, uh, prospects coming that way. But hockey's really changed its its focus. It's really taking that baseball model, uh, gentlemen, Triple A, Double A. In American Hockey League is the Triple A. There's the old IHL, you know, left, uh, you know, went defunct, went dark in uh, 2001. And uh, now those teams came to the AHL, and you've just seen the tremendous continued change. You know, now a real, true, you know, imprint from, you know, from uh, from Providence to uh, soon-to-be Palm Springs, California. Oh, yeah. Which there is no way you would have ever told me 15 years ago 
the AHL in Palm Springs, I would have thought, hey, <laughs> which bar are you guys at? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's really been a, it's just a tremendous change. Um, and uh, for the fans, you do get to see a lot of young talent, but you don't get to see people for long term periods. There's only a very handful of guys now doing that. That's been one of the most striking changes uh, in the in the player development uh, model in the American Hockey League. Well, and I think, you know, more than ever, you, you talk about uh, how it's the AHL is the triple A of, of hockey and, and at the professional level, I, I think we're seeing now more than ever the dividends that time in the American Hockey League uh, pays for players and, and for their NHL franchises these days. That's a, that's a great phrase you use, dividends, because that's exactly how they look at it. They look at the investment, dollar investments of players. I mean, you look at the Hartford Wolfpack this season, they're going to have a guy now, Igor Shester, Shurkin. They are so high in this guy. It's been five years. They've been waiting for him to come to North America, and now he's here. His development in Hartford is going to be so scrutinized and so under watch from New York because there's so much investment of dollar to bring him from, you know, Scott St. Petersburg to the KHL. Same thing with Vitaly Kravstov. High-end, seventh-round overall pick. Comes with an awful lot. Big package. Big man. Good serious speed, really good shot, and the Rangers have uh, been offensively challenged the last few years. Hartford Wolfpack, very offensively challenged the last few years. This group that they have now, they've got right now, looking at their line, they've got at least three solid scoring lines. Something they were playing with a line and a half last year and, and over the last couple of years. Jerry, you mentioned that scrutiny. Uh, I think back to when I started, and obviously it was well after you, but. Uh, what kind of change have you seen in that regard? Uh, you know, it used to kind of be, uh, you know, maybe you had a coach, and an assistant coach, and that was it. Uh, now you see player development coaches. You see general managers, assistant general managers, uh, nearby affiliations. Uh, how is that different than it used to be? Huge change, Pat. Boy, that's a great thing that you brought up because it really didn't matter. When I was first coach, I remember coaching the New Haven Senators. Don McAdam, very good guy from uh, – from Morel, Prince Edward Island, uh, he's still doing work uh, over in Europe and in Hungary right now. When he came, he was it. One coach. That's it. There was no assistant. There was no strength and conditioning. God, they only had one exercise bike for an entire team. Okay. Today, you've got, you know, you have to have multiple of everything. The training facilities are just extraordinary. I've not been to Austin. Pat, I know you have. They have this tremendous training facility uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, Palm Springs, they just announced a $250 million project to build an arena and a training facility for the expansion Seattle franchise in the NHL where they're going to have their farm team there. That's just That was just simply unheard of years ago. Uh, the late Jim Roberts, God rest his soul, he was the only coach who ever coached two Calder Cup champions with the same city and a different affiliation, Islanders and the former Hartford Whalers. He was it. There was no other assistant. Jim managed to do that with two different organizations. You'll never see that again. Uh, but it's very, I would say, people might say it's top-heavy. We have so many assistants, guys, um, you know, monitoring everything. But that's the, that's the, the stage of the game now. Well, that's where they look at. Guys are not even looking at assist and uh, power play points. They're looking at how your skating is. Uh, the time you spend on the ice, uh, you know, is your your, your core workout, uh, how it affects your, your game. Everything is so almost micromanaged in some ways. And I know players have definitely 
it, uh, it's a tough adjustment. I know some former Wolfpack players who resented it greatly. They thought they were being treated like children. But that's the nature of pro sports now, and especially about what you mentioned about the dividend. The team says, we're putting X amount of dollars into you. We're expecting X amount of uh, you know output. Uh, and that's a big thing. And for example, even just nutrition. Mm. Hartford Wolfpack, they, they probably spend seriously, considerably close to $50,000 a year just to feed these guys. They don't want them going out to the local restaurant having burgers and fries. They want them eating top end, eating good food, and, and they're testing them all the time. And it's a it's a much, much different thing. I remember a former player now, an NHL scout, told me, you would think being a grown adult, people would uh, appreciate our ability to be able to take care of ourselves, but they don't. And I think that's really a, it's a major issue that, uh, players kind of kind of rubs them along, uh, especially older players. It rubs uh, against the grain quite a bit. So that's one of the bigger cultural changes and shifts both in in training as well as that I said in coaching. Uh, it's, it's an incredible difference from when I first started covering the league. Uh, we leave the burgers and fries uh, to the broadcasters to, to spend their per diem on, right? That's, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no steak dinners for me. Uh, we're, we're getting close to the 10-15 uh, minute mark here, Jerry, so uh, maybe we'll get one more question in just about um, the league overall as somebody, again, who, who watches this league pretty closely. Uh, what are you looking forward to most uh, about uh, this 2019-20 campaign? I think it's going to be uh, a lot of uh, excitement, and especially from a Hartford perspective. For the first time, we have a really high-end uh, hockey team with a lot of offensive talent, something they simply have lacked in the last few years. Some of the other teams in the division, Springfield has done a bit of a, a makeover. The Florida Panthers uh, weren't happy the way things worked out last year. They've done some retooling up there. Bridgeport with Brent Thompson and Eric Wilkinicki. They've, uh, again, doing some... Uh, some, uh, they're getting some new high-end guys like Oliver Wallstrom is going to be there. That's going to be uh, interesting to watch. Providence has always been uh, a talented team. I know Passman and Hershey, and last year there's a team that finished with 789 hockey. They played over the final three months of the season and finished 25 points ahead of Hartford when they were behind them by four points just in, that, uh, just in the beginning when the, they uh, went up trading their captain, Cole Snyder, Let's hope uh, a captain can stay a whole season in Hartford. Who knows? But I think it's going to be a very exciting season. And I do think there's a lot of high-end young talent. There's been a lot of off-season signings this year, guys. There's a lot of guys from college hockey. There's over, I, my last count, like about 210 players have signed at the Division One colleges wow. uh, in pro pro hockey. So there's been a real big you know, shift in emphasis uh, on that. So I think there's going to be some interesting uh, – your young talent coming here should be some uh, some exciting hockey to watch. Certainly will be. Uh, thanks again so much for doing this, Jerry, and uh, maybe we'll check in with you again here uh, throughout the season. I look forward to it, guys. It's always good to talk hockey with good hockey guys, and uh, everybody go to a rink and enjoy some great hockey this season. Thanks, guys. You're listening to the inaugural episode of Around the A with David Foote and Patrick Williams. Uh, glad you're with us as we uh, kick off this new uh, initiative adventure, if you will. We can call it an adventure uh, as we try to you know, bring you closer to the American Hockey League and some of the stories from uh, around the league. Great talk with uh, Jerry Cantlin. Uh, man, that guy's got some stories. Oh, absolutely. Uh, his, his stories... They go back, uh, you know, to the 1980s uh, and right up to today. And, uh, you know, every different era of the American League is, is kind of funny in its own way. Uh, you know, there's kind of the wild and woolly days uh, back in the 80s. And then, 
into the 90s, and then, uh, you know, the last 10 to 15 years has kind of been this evolution into this new American League, uh, where it's, uh, a lot, in a lot of ways, a lot more buttoned down, but uh, uh, the talent level is uh, obviously extremely high now. So, uh, and there's some good stories. Uh, he's uh, he's had kind of all the characters uh, that have uh, played hockey have come through his uh, his town at one point or another. He uh, he was there with Nick Fatiu. He was there with John Paddock, uh, you know, former Ottawa coach. Uh, you know, when John Paddock was working with Hartford. Uh, so he's seen a lot of things over the years. He's uh, he's seen the uh, inaugural edition of the Ottawa Senators uh, 1992-93 AHL affiliate, and uh, kind of the uh, wild team that that was. And uh, here he is now, uh, kind of uh, seeing this whole new era of the American League. So yeah, yeah I, I always find with him he has a lot of perspective. And this whole new era of uh, American Hockey League podcasting uh, joining us here on Around the A. Uh, let's look at the upcoming season. Um, games getting underway tonight, and uh, it's a busy start to the uh, AHL season on on a Friday night. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about Charlotte and how they're going to need to do a bit of work to uh, repeat as champions uh, and lift the Calder Cup again, but... Uh, I mean, in, in the short time I've been covering this league and, and I've been following the league for years, um, you know, being a, a Maple Leaf fan and always been a fan of the Marlies, but it, it tends to be a bit of a toss-up some some years in this league. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, I always kind of joke, uh, you know, it's a bit of a fool's errand trying to make uh, predictions, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, the standings in this league. I mean, it's hard enough in the, the NHL level with all the, variables of injuries and uh you know slumps and players breaking out uh well you, you take all that and then you add um young players you add uh player recalls uh and then just the, the kind of the topsy-turvy nature of the american league uh yeah, it's uh it's a tough pre- pre- prediction game in this league uh there are definitely some uh, teams that look a lot more solid than some others uh at least at the start but uh you know as we saw you look at last year, the Hershey Bears, uh, they were uh, in last place in the middle of January. I mean, they were pretty much buried, and uh, this, they played 789 hockey uh, in the second half, got themselves into the playoffs. Uh, and then uh, the flip side of that was uh, you looked at a team like Lehigh Valley, a uh, great start, and then they kind of fell apart. Uh, and look at, look at the Belleville Sens. Uh, they were kind of a very uh, inconsistent team the first half, uh, and then uh, something clicked there in the second half, and they took off, and they uh, really made a great push for the playoffs and uh, came down right till the end uh, for them. So this league is, is up and down, uh, literally in terms of uh, players uh, coming and going. Uh, so it makes it, uh, it, makes it a tough uh, prediction game, but I think that's what keeps it interesting. Uh, you know, any given week, uh, you know, this league, uh, there's, uh, there's turnover, there's all sorts of changes, and uh, it keeps you on your toes. Yeah, a heartbreaking finish to last season for the Belleville Senators. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I tweeted out, uh, at footy on the air, if you want to find me, uh, I tweeted out the line pairings uh, coming into, uh, you know, the week leading up to the start of the season. And that looks like, I mean, they're going to surprise some people, I think. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys uh, on that group that some Senators fans or a good chunk of Senators fans think should be, in Ottawa, and uh, I think any time you have that um, sort of debate or discussion where there's so many bubble guys, uh, that's not a bad thing for an AHL team. And I think uh, I think Belleville's gonna gonna surprise some people. 
I do too. I think I saw those lines, and uh, that looks like a pretty solid lineup uh, to roll out on opening night. Uh, you know, if you can do that, and if they can have really any sort of consistency at all to their lineup, uh, it was such a challenge last year. Players coming and going, and then uh, everything happening up in Ottawa was another challenge. Uh, if they can get <laughs> at least a little bit more stability, uh, I think that will go a long way. Uh, Troy Mann has done a fantastic job there for my money. Yeah. Um, kind of just getting things into shape there in the first year. Now this year, he uh, a little bit more familiar, uh, you know, with the players, and they're they're familiar with him. I think he can really uh, kind of get that team to the next step. And uh, it's such a crucial part of uh, of NHL team success. Now you look at the successful NHL teams like Tampa Bay; they all have strong, strong farm systems. And and one of the real common threads is that they're patient with players. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, perhaps you could make an argument that some of those players uh, should be in Ottawa, but uh, you know, as, as teams like Tampa have shown, uh, it's not always the worst thing to let your players get a little bit uh, uh, over-ripened down the American League. Uh, there's always little details that they can work. Uh, no player is a finished product uh, by any means, and uh, the American League offers them that opportunity to kind of really tweak the little small details of their game. Yeah, even a, a guy like Drake Batherson, uh skilled enough to go to the National Hockey League, but uh, I personally felt that maybe they should have just left him uh, in Belleville last season. He was uh, leading candidate for Rookie of the Year. He was running away with the scoring race, uh, rookie scoring race at one point, and then just wasn't ever really the same when he when he got back from the National Hockey League after struggling a bit up there. So I, I think there's a lot to be said about leaving a guy in the AHL, uh, you know, letting him cook a little bit, letting him stew, uh, get that experience, that seasoning, and, and then see how he does with a year of, of pro confidence uh, under his belt. Um, I mean, that's just, just one guy as an example. Uh, well, just a couple, uh, couple minutes left here. Uh, what other storylines should we keep an eye on? Uh, what are we going to be watching this season on Around the A? Well, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, you know, you never quite know how the, the, the rosters are going to shake out with training camp, who's going to make it, who's not. But uh, I've been pretty impressed early on with uh, who's coming down to the American League. And I think that starts with uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins, uh, Detroit's farm team. Um, they come to Belleville. They were there last year. Uh, they're coming again there this season. And they have five first-round picks in the lineup uh, to start. Uh, and uh, you talk about uh, player development. I mean, that's player development and then some. Uh, uh, when you look at the lineup that they have, they have Moritz Sider, they have uh, Joe Valeno. Philip Zadina was there last year as an 18-year-old. He was six overall, and now uh, Sider is the same way, six overall this year. So uh, Michael Rasmussen, uh, right down the list. Uh, and then they always have a good, strong uh, veteran core that they surround themselves with. And uh, then you look at Evgeny Sechnikov, who's uh, missed all of last season with a pretty serious knee injury. He's back this year, um, and he'll be able to uh, get back in the lineup and uh, kind of get his his uh, his confidence back and just play. Uh, so that's a team I'm really excited to see. Uh, it's a fun blend of the real top high-end prospects and the real solid established veterans. And those are always the fun teams to watch, uh, you know, because uh, it's kind of when teams are kind of something in between. They're not quite prospects. They're not quite veterans. That those aren't uh, always necessarily the most uh, enjoy- enjoyable teams to watch. But Early on, this Grand Rapids team uh, has some similarities to that Charlotte team last year. Uh, just a great blend of uh, youth and experience. and uh, They're going to be a fun team to watch for sure. 
Yeah, and, and as much as we're going to watch the, the teams around the league, we're going to watch the league itself. Uh, we're going to hopefully dive into uh, officiating. Uh, I'd like to get some uh, uniform chatter going, being a big jersey nerd myself. Uh, there's uh, yeah. you know a, a limitless possibilities for what we can do with this forum over the course uh, of the next, uh, what, eight, nine months or so. Yeah, 31 teams, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, the biggest challenge will be trying to, try to get it down to a manageable size, uh, you know, each week. But uh, you're right, uh, there's so many different angles. Uh, uh, this league is, is an interesting place because it's kind of the crossroads of a lot of different uh, parts of uh, hockey. Uh, it's where all the European leagues feed into, it's where college and junior feed into, and, and then it all leads to the NHL. And, you know, in some ways it's kind of the – the lab for the NHL. A lot of rules get experimented with down here, systems. Uh, so you always see some quirky, uh, weird things that maybe you haven't seen before. Uh, so I agree with you. It's, uh, it's a fun league. Uh, officiating is always a, a hot-button topic, uh, you know, at this level for sure, is, is, you know, because let's be honest, uh, officials are learning the uh, pro game as well. They're trying to find their way just like the players and coaches are. And uh, so, uh, you know, mistakes happen, but, you know, I've, I've always been the mind uh, that uh, mistakes are kind of what make hockey enjoyable. And, uh, you know, it's, it's that fun quirkiness that, uh, that makes this league unpredictable. And, uh, you know, nine months from now, the, uh, it will, we'll be able to kind of look back and see who won the Calder Cup and what happened. And uh, it, none of it will be probably the way that we expected. And I think that's what keeps it uh, really enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's going to be a pretty wild ride. Uh, if you've got thoughts on what you'd like to hear on Around the A, uh, guests that maybe you want us to talk to, uh, we'll do our best to track them down. Uh, you can fire off a tweet at Patrick at P Williams NHL uh, at myself uh, at footy on the air. And uh, who knows if we get a bit of a following uh, on this little project, maybe we'll get socials, uh, you know, for the show itself. But for now uh, we'll keep it that way. And uh, again, you can uh, listen to us at uh, sportspodcastingnetwork.com and wherever you get your podcasts as we roll out this uh, new, uh, new program, new adventure uh, around the A uh, and any final thoughts, Patrick, before we uh, say goodbye on this first episode. Yeah, no, I'm just excited to work with you, uh, to have your uh, professional radio experience uh, that I think uh, can bring a lot to this show. Uh, uh, I clearly do not have that. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, that, that I was not, uh, I guess, born with that radio gene and certainly didn't develop it like the way you did. Uh, you know, so I think that's a great element for our show. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited. Uh, opening weekend's here. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a long off season in some ways. Uh, and it, it goes, uh, it winds its way from fall into the you know cold winter months. And then, uh, eventually you're there at the end of the season. It's, uh, last, last, uh, summer in Charlotte was, I don't know, it was 35 degrees. Uh, it was hot, <laughs> you know, it felt like playoff weather in a, in a strange way. And, uh, it's just fun to see, fun to see how these players evolve over the course of the year they kind of uh, come in here and maybe a little unsure of themselves or maybe too sure of themselves in some cases and then by the end of the year uh, a, lot of, a lot of them have changed in, in a lot of significant ways and uh, as we've seen with so many of the players that went to the nhl from the ahl last year uh, uh this is often the final step for them before they uh, really do uh, realize that uh, lifelong goal that they've had 
Well, this show will probably develop a lot like an American Hockey League player. Uh, we'll get the wobbles out early on, and you know, by the time June rolls around, I think we'll have this whole thing figured out. And my radio skills aside, without your connections, uh, this show wouldn't be possible. So obviously, it's a great tag team that we've got here, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, keep listening to us uh, throughout the course of the season every week here on Around the A. Thanks for listening to Around the A. Be sure to tune in again next week. Find Around the A on the Sports Podcasting Network, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.